This morning we come to our third and final sermon in our series called Perspectives. Our aim is to see this cosmic Christmas event through the eyes of the wise men, Simeon and Anna, and lastly, the shepherds. The perspective of the wise men was one of worship. The perspective of Simeon and Anna was a declaration that Jesus is Christ. And this morning, we will discover that the perspective of the shepherds will be instant proclamation of what they will see and hear. If you have your Bible, I invite you to take it and join me in the gospel according to Luke chapter 2. I want to read verses 8 to 20 in your hearing. And if you're able and willing, will you please stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word. Luke chapter 2, I'll begin reading at verse 8. I'll conclude at verse 20. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May God add his richest blessing to the reading, the preaching, understanding, and obedience of his perfect word. You may be seated. Normally, whenever a king was born in the days of antiquity, a poet would make a birth announcement to the rich and famous in the palace. But on this night, it was an angel, not a poet. The birth announcement was given to lowly shepherds, not the rich and famous. It was proclaimed in a pasture, not in a palace. The angel appeared to the shepherds. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. It shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That angel proclaimed the gospel that night. The word gospel means good news, and that's exactly what the angel said. I bring you good news. This good news is of gigantic, massive, mega joy. It's of great joy, and the recipients of this good news with great joy is all the people. In fact, this declaration of the gospel some 2,000 years ago could not be confined and contained to one angel. So suddenly instantaneously, spontaneously, an angelic host appeared. They praised God and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men upon whom his favor rests. Now I'm not exactly sure if angels can sing. Our pop culture tells us that the 
angelic host was an angelic choir. In fact, whenever we hear someone sing really, really well, we say, she sings like an angel. I don't know if an orchestra was behind the angelic host. I don't know if there was a choir director in front of the angelic host. But I'm not real sure if they know how to sing. I mean, the Bible does tell us that angels speak and they say and they praise but it's never given the description that they sing. Maybe they sing, maybe they don't, but regardless, on this night, they had a proclamation to make. They boldly said, maybe they rhythmically said, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men upon whom his favor rests. With the arrival of Jesus, those two phenomenal statements are fulfilled. With the arrival of Jesus, there is glory to God in the highest. With the arrival of Jesus, there's peace to men upon whom his favor rests. The glory, when it says glory to God in the highest, that word glory, it means, it means honor or fame. In some ways, it means power. And certainly, when you stop and realize the magnitude of what was happening on that night with the glorious incarnation of Christ, that God stepped out of heaven and stepped into earth. He came through the birth canal of a 13-year-old virgin, and, and he came. I mean, there were so many ways where that could have gone south and that could have gone wrong. I mean, the cosmic God of the universe became a fragile zygote and was in the belly of Mary. And, and God, wrapped in flesh, began to grow. And, and Jesus began to flip and flop in the embryonic fluid of Mary. And in the fullness of time, God sent his son at that perfect moment, nine months after the glorious conception of Christ. Jesus was born. I mean, the arrival, the safe arrival of Jesus can be nothing short of a phenomenal feat of the sovereign God. I mean, only God could do that. So when the angels looked and said, look, Jesus has been born. Glory to God in the highest. Because only God could be behind this. Only God could have done this. So glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men upon whom his favor rests. The arrival of Jesus not only brought glory to God in the highest, but it also brought peace to men on earth. Now you may stop and sit there and think, but wait a minute. The arrival of Jesus brought chaos, not peace. You remember when King Herod learned that he had been outwitted by the wise men. He issued the decree that all the baby boys two years of age and under, born in and around the vicinity of Bethlehem, had to be slaughtered. Because of the timeline he learned from those magi, for those precious parents of those precious baby boys, it wasn't peace on earth. It was chaos. Since humans have been recording history, there have been over 1,700 wars. Since the year 1900, there have been 268 wars. Since the Vietnam conflict, there have been a hundred wars scattered all over this planet. It does not seem that violence and chaos and war is subsiding. It seems that it's escalating. And yet, we read these words that with the arrival of Jesus, there is peace on earth. 
we've got to understand what the word peace means. The word peace does not mean the absence of conflict. Peace means the presence of Christ. Jesus came not to bring peace, but to make peace. There's a big difference. He did not come just to bring peace. He came to make peace. And he came to make peace not for all men, but for men upon whom God's favor rests. Friends, if you know the glorious salvation that only God can give in Jesus Christ, then you are favored on earth. If you know God's salvation in Jesus Christ, if you know what it is to be an enemy of God and now you're a son or daughter of God, if you know what it is to receive the salvation of God, then you are counted among the most favored on planet earth. You're not favored just because you're an American. You're not favored just because you're born at this time of, of, of human history. You are favored because the God of the cosmos has made peace with you through Jesus Christ. Jesus came not to bring peace, but to make peace upon humanity, that humanity who has the favor of God resting upon them. Our biggest problem is sin, and the Bible's very clear that because of our sin, we are enemies of God. But Jesus came so that enemies of God could be called friends of God, and greater still, so that friends of God could become family of God, and even greater still, so that family of God could become sons and daughters of God Almighty. So Jesus came on a rescue mission. When the angels declared that Christ has come, they said, glory to God in the highest, but this also means peace upon men upon whom his favor rests. Because now, God has made it possible for sinners to be saved. This Jesus who came some 2,000 years ago, he lived a perfect life. He died on a criminal's cross, not because he is guilty of any sin, but he died as our suitable substitute. He died in our place so that we may have eternal life. And Jesus, on a faithful Friday in the third decade of the first century, he who knew no sin became sin for us. Jesus made his way through the streets of Jerusalem, went up the skull-shaped hill called Golgotha, and there, for those few hours on Friday, he endured your hell on your behalf so that you might enjoy his heaven both now and forevermore. Jesus died for you. He came on a rescue mission for you. He came to seek and to save you. With the arrival of Jesus, there's a possibility of peace in your life before God Almighty. Jesus died in your place. He was buried on the third day. God the Father raised God the Son by the power of God the Spirit. And Jesus is alive. He is raised from the dead. It's the Apostle Paul who says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, we are justified through faith. So that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified. That's a big fancy word that simply means just as if I'd never sinned. And we become sinless. We become innocent. We are declared righteous through faith. Faith, believing, trusting, 
that Jesus died on the cross for me, that he was buried in my grave to experience my death so that on the third day he was raised to give me eternal life and not just to me but to all who believe. So we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus did not come to bring peace. Jesus came to make peace so that enemies of God could ultimately become sons and daughters of God Almighty. This is why the angels had so much to declare. They were saying the good news is so good. It's so good because it's glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men upon whom his favor rests. Now normally, shepherds are the last ones to know anything. Why would God entrust this good news to those hairy creatures called shepherds? I think the answer is, uh, there are multiple reasons. Number one, if you're going to tell somebody good news, it's important that they know the bad news. And shepherds were known to be unreliable, uneducated, dirty, and dishonest. They knew what it was to be broken. They knew what it was to be shamed. They knew what it was to be marginalized in society. They understood what it was to be a sinner. And so if they know the bad news, then they will receive the good news, the good news that Jesus has come. So I think that God told them because they understood the bad news. I think also, if you're going to wrap good news in swaddling clothes and place that good news in a manger, it's important that you tell people who know the location of all the mangers in Bethlehem. And so God told the shepherds because the shepherds knew precisely where every stable was located in and around Bethlehem and they knew precisely where every manger was. Remember, it's the time of year when shepherds are watching their flocks at night. So it's that time of year when they're in the field, but they know where all of the stables are located. But there's also another reason. Why did God tell the shepherds? Because God said this is good news that must be told. And if God wanted this to be told, then he's got to tell people who will tell people about the good news. Suddenly, when the angels left, the shepherds looked at each other and said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that the Lord has told us about. So off they went. It was immediate. It was instant in their proclamation. They immediately hurried off. They didn't put off obedience. They hurried off into obedience. They hurried off and they found everything exactly as they've been told. They found that baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And they told everybody who came. They told the mom, the dad, Mary, Joseph, anybody else who showed up, hey, this is what happened in the hill country just moments ago. And they returned, glorifying God, praising him for everything they had heard and seen. The perspective of the shepherds is one of instant proclamation of what they had heard and what they had seen. They could not keep quiet about it. They had to go tell. You know, 2,000 years has passed and the good news is still good. Can I get an amen? Amen. I mean, I wish God would just give me a great church today. I mean, good news is still good. And, and 20 centuries have come and gone, and even now, with the arrival of Jesus, there is still glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men upon whom his favor rests. So I want to suggest for your consideration today that when we stare down the barrel of 2024, and it's coming quickly, that when we look into a new year, can we commit to each other more in 24? 
Can we commit more in 24? You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Well, because the good news has come, we've got to reach more in 24. We, we've got to give more in 24. We need to go more in 24. We need to pray more in 24. We need to worship more in 24. I wonder if anybody could commit with me today. We're going to do more in 24. We've got... We've got such good news. We need to reach more in 24. That's first and foremost. It's number one on my hand. It's number one. Number one. We've got to reach more in 24. The five years that preceded 2020 on average, God added to this church 142 individuals. Praise God. In 2020, something called COVID happened. We all remember it far too well. The number of additions in 2020 plummeted to 67 individuals. In the year 2021, that number rose to 71 additions that God brought to this faith family. In 2022, that number swelled to 86 people that God added to this faith family. So far in 2023, we have 88, and I'm just convinced there are about two or three, four people today who need to join the church to push us over the 90 threshold. (laughs) But regardless, You see that positive trajectory, don't you? 67, 71, 86. After today, it's going to be well into the 90s. Can I get an amen? Amen. And next year, next year, we're going to crest back over 100 by God's grace. If God wills, if God enables us, we're going to get back by reaching more next year than we have in these previous years. But not only are we going to reach more, we're going to give more. We're going to give more. Just a few weeks ago, we adopted a 2024 budget. It's a 3% increase. And I realize that some people may be a little leery of a 3% increase in these economic times. But let's just put the cookies on the bottom shelf. For a $3 million budget, 3% is an extra $91,000 annually. It is an extra $7,600 monthly. It is $1,700 weekly. Or, I like to see it, it's $250 a day. That's it. All we have to have in order to reach that budget are 365 people who will say, you know what, next year I'll give $250 more than I gave this year. And I don't know about you, but I can commit to that. I can commit to that. I can say, yes, I can give $250 more next year than I gave this year. All I need is 364 other people to join me. And that does not even take into account the people who are going to start giving in 24 who have not been giving in previous years. And it also does not take into account the new people that God adds into the church that will start giving from the get-go at the very beginning once they start and become part of this faith family. I think that we need to not only reach more, but we're going to give more. We're going to go more on January the 21st. Just a few weeks from now, we are going to reveal the 24 mission trips in 2024. Now, we had 23 mission trips in 2023, and we're adding to it because God is adding to the year, right? So in 2024, we're going to have 24 mission trips. Now, usually, we have about 400 folks who go on these 22, 23, 24 mission trips. But we got space for more of y'all to join on these trips. And so our goal is to have more people going more places in 24. Why? Because the good news is still good. 
It's such good news that we have got to go and tell. We've got to go across the street and across the globe. We've got to go to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. I realize you can't go everywhere, but you can go somewhere. You can't do everything, but you can do something. And I just know that next year can be more in 24 because we're going to reach more, we're going to give more, we're going to go more. Fourthly, we're going to pray more. Pray more in 24. Beginning the very first Sunday, January the 7th, we are going to give you a prayer emphasis every Sunday for the 52 Sundays of 2024. We're going to ask you that over those seven days of that week, that you pray specifically about that one initiative. The initiative could be a person, it could be a mission trip, it could be a mission partner. But I'm going to tell you on the very first Sunday, we're going to have the opportunity to commission a young lady who was raised in this church. And God has called her to international missions. And she is now married, and together they have a son. And we are going to commission that family of three, as they embark with the International Mission Board of our Southern Baptist Convention. So that in years to come, when we think about international missions, and when we think about the IMB, when we think about the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, this young lady's face is going to come to our minds. And we're going to commission her because we're going to pray more in 24. And the very first one on January the 7th, we're going to commission her, her husband, in their precious son. You ask me, who is this young lady that was raised in this church that we're going to commission as an IMB missionary of the Southern Baptist Convention? Well, I can't tell you. <laughs> but you got to come on January the 7th to see who it is. And the reason we can't tell is because she and her husband and young infant have felt called of God to go into a place where it is dangerous for their identity to be known. And so we are going to pray for her, pray for them, January the 7th. And that's our very first prayer emphasis in 2024. We're going to have 52 of those. Now, we don't have 52 missionaries that are going with the International Mission Board. But every week of the 52 weeks, we're going to present before you a prayer emphasis because we just believe we need to pray more in 24. Hey, the fifth and final one, we're going to worship more in 24. We're going to worship more. Um, we need this house to be this full every Sunday. Amen. Amen. We need, I need you to poke your neighbor and say, hey, you need to get your keister in here every Sunday next year. All right? Just go ahead and poke them very gently, very kindly. But we, we need to worship more in 24. I tell every discovery class, every discovery class where we have new members coming and, and people join the church, every discovery class, I tell them, when it comes to church attendance, what we expect is for our members to be in worship, engaged at least three out of four Sundays a month. Three out of four Sundays. Now, we quickly follow that by saying there are very few of us who actually meet that threshold, but that does not cause us to lower the bar of commitment. We still want you to be here three out of four Sundays of the month. You say, but pastor, why? Why should I be here three out of four Sundays? Because you need this and we need you. Somehow your presence bolsters the worship of those to your right and to your left. We need you to be here, not just to check off a box, 
But we need you to be here engaged in worship. Why? Because the good news is still good. And he's still worthy of being worshipped. Because with the arrival of Jesus, it's glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men upon whom his favor rests. So next year in worship, we're going to walk through for 10 weeks 1 Timothy. We're going to walk through 27 weeks, the book of Acts. We're also going to have six uh, baptism Sundays. We have targeted, we've already put on the calendar, these given Sundays are baptism Sunday. The first one is Super Bowl Sunday, February the 11th. We already have four people that are ready to be baptized on February the 11th. The idea is that with each of these baptism Sundays, that we will not come to a baptism Sunday and have nobody in the water. Somebody's got to be in the water. Why? Because the good news is still good. And we've got to go and tell. And so we've got to reach more, and we're going to give more, we're going to go more, we're going to pray more, we're going to worship more, and God is going to stir the waters of baptism. So I don't know about you, but I, I just get excited when I think about what I know I'm going to hear and see. Like the shepherds, we are going to be men and women with instant proclamation of what we have heard and what we've seen. When we hear God next year, when we see God move, we're going to tell people. Word of mouth still works great. But get on the Instagram, get on Facebook, get on uh, any social media platform and tell people the good things that God is doing here at First Baptist Church Pelham. Because we just believe like the shepherds. With the arrival of Jesus, there's glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men. And women upon whom his favor rests. So we worship Christ because he alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. He alone is worthy. He is Christ the Lord. If you're here today and you're numbered with the favored. If you're here today and you're a baptized believer in our Lord Jesus Christ. You're favored my friend. If you're one of the favored ones, if you're one who, who God has opened up your eyes unto his salvation, and so you follow with believer's baptism, and you are a Christian, if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, then in this moment, you're invited to join us as we gather around his table for the Lord's Supper. I'm going to pray. As soon as I say amen, I'm going to ask for the deacons to come forward, and uh, we will observe the bread and the cup together. Heavenly Father, we bow before you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for Christmas Eve. Lord, we pray your blessing uh, upon us as we gather around your table. Help us to feast on you by faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.